Hello and welcome to Aerospace Unplugged. I'm your host, Adam Kress. Now we have a truly unique episode for you today, and I want you to start out by just having you picture a scenario. You're weaving through the mountains of Afghanistan in a helicopter that weighs 50,000 pounds. You're traveling over 150 miles an hour. Two huge engines are overhead powering your flight, and there's no margin for error if you're going to succeed in your mission. Our first guest today is a man who flew many of these missions. Lieutenant Colonel Roger Nielsen Caps is a retired U.S. Army pilot and for more than 15 years piloted one of the U.S. military's bell cows, the CH-47 Chinook. Roger has served in multiple overseas deployments from Afghanistan to Morocco to Iraq. You'll hear about his experiences flying for the U.S. Army and also Columbia helicopters in the Nevada National Guard. He'll tell you what it's like to fly this battle-tested aircraft and get a glimpse of what the future may have in store for this flagship helicopter. And we also have a second guest for you today as well. Joining Roger is Honeywell's T.J. Pope. He's the Senior Director of Military Turboshaft Engines at Honeywell, and he's also an Aviation Lieutenant Colonel in the U.S. Army Reserves. T.J. will talk about what's new and what's next for the continuously improving T-55 engine that powers the CH-47. We'll also talk about current and future Army requirements for heavy lift helicopters. So, with no further ado, hello to Roger and TJ, and thank you both for joining us today. Thank you, Adam. It's good to be here. Hey, Adam. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm great. Thank you guys both. I know we have lots of questions for both of you. I think we'll start with Roger here. Um, Can you tell us just a little bit about your background flying the Chinook and how you've got to where you are and kind of what got you interested in aviation in the first place? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, at a a young age, I was always sort of fascinated with uh, aviation and airplanes, but especially just helicopters. And, uh, you know, as you grow older and you start, you know, figuring, trying to figure out what you want to do in life. And it's like, man, you know, piloting a helicopter and going into the Army sounded like a pretty good career field. So, uh, you know, after graduating uh, high school, my first deal is they had a, a program, high school to flight school. Boy, I had it down pat. And uh, boy, the day after I graduated, you know, I went down there to the recruiters and said, hey, I'm signing up for, you know, be a helicopter pilot. And they just laughed. And uh, they had they had so many pilots at that time. They basically said, hey, you know, go to college for two years and then come back and talk to us. So I figured, well, heck, if I'm going to go to college for two years, I might as well uh, go for four and get a get a degree and a commission through uh, ROTC. So uh, at that same time the National Guard had a program where as you're going through college in ROTC, you could also join the Guard. So that's a pretty good deal. And they had an aviation company out here in Reno. So I went and talked to them and they're like, yeah, we'll take you on, you know. So uh, that's how it pretty much all got started. All right. Very cool. Now tell us a little bit more about this helicopter platform um, in particular, what makes it unique and what is it like to fly and maybe your favorite thing about flying the Chinook? Man, I tell you, you know, the the first thing is just that tandem rotor system. Um, just amazing. You know, old Paisecki, he had that lined out, you know, what, back in 1952 with uh, the H-25 and the H-21, you know, and now just the development in that time when they brought in the, the first 47 in 1962, we just see this development of it. You know, that, that tandem rotor design with the lack of that tail rotor just gives you 100% power to those, that rotor system. The biggest thing that makes that the 47, I think, right now is that, that uh, 714 engine that you guys are making. And uh, 
that's just the real powerhouse that that makes that platform what it is. Yeah, I mean, for for a fifty thousand pound helicopter, uh, you need a lot of muscle to get it moving, right? Yep, yep. And it it's got it. You know the the high altitude and hot temperature performances of the aircraft basically unmatched on it. And uh, for what that thing does, it's it's pretty impressive. Definitely. So so how does this aircraft fit the mission requirements? And capabilities needed by the army, and how has it done that for decades and decades? It's a, uh, it's just been a staple. With you look at all the upgrades from the the A model all the way up now to the F model, on what they've done with those engines and transmissions, it's just getting better and better. It's just a multi-purpose aircraft of what you can do. You can haul things, you can sling load. It has the MFDs, the Rockward Collins architect on the cockpit. It's just amazing of what the D model did. And then when they came out with the F model, even improved on that. So I think that it, it fits the mission very well for obviously the army and the military, but uh, also now on the civilian side, you know, a modernized aircraft. Mm-hmm. So when you were in the service, let's talk specifically about some of the types of missions that you would fly. Put us in the uh, captain's chair and tell us what you were doing with the Chinook. You know, basically our mission was general support. And what that is, is pretty much what we'll call it as a ring route. Think of a a bus route, okay, where you're going out every day and you're just driving this bus and you're going from one stop to another and you're picking up people, you're picking up mail, your ammo, moving vehicles, moving connexes, you know, do that six, eight hours a day. That'd be the general support. And the other days, okay, hey, we're going to go do an air assault mission. We're going to take these guys over here, get something done get some SF guys or ground troops in there and go fight the war with it. But then all the other things is the sling loads, uh, the long lining, aircraft recovery, that was one, but just a multitude of different missions that that aircraft can perform. Would you ever get some soldiers who, uh, you know, it's, it's a new mission, they're hopping on the Chinook and they've never been in a helicopter before. I'm just wondering what some of the reactions might've been when they start getting slung around in there. It's, you know, sometimes the Chinook can get a little rough in the back, you know, if you're in a little bit of turbulence and uh, not a not a real good ride for the guys in the back if it's hot. And uh, so they might get a little airsick or something. But primarily now, you know, most of the people that are in the military, they've they've been on a helicopter once or twice, you know, whether a Blackhawk or a Chinook. And But uh, the Chinook's pretty unique. And, you know, you can fill that up with about 33 people and Take them wherever you want to go. Yeah, excellent. So I, I know you now fly for Columbia Helicopters and also serve in the Nevada National Guard. So um, in both of those roles, what are some of the missions that you have in front of you now? Basically with uh, Columbia Helicopters, I'm uh, I'm flying a uh, heli tanker, uh, 47 with an internal uh, water tank in there, 2,800 gallons and a snorkel on the outside. And uh, I've had the great opportunity to be part of that program and part of Columbia and uh, we've sort of got that going as the first heli tanker on the 47 platform. So that that's what I'm doing now as a command pilot on on that aircraft. Okay. And then how about with the uh, Nevada National Guard? Actually, I, I put in my retirement paperwork. You know, I got back from Iraq here in uh, November of uh, 2020. And I figured, you know, that, that was enough. I was a maintenance test pilot and also a line pilot there in Iraq for the Nevada National Guard. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm sure it's a uh, it's a well deserved retirement after many many years of flying in tough conditions, for sure. For younger folks out there, what advice do you have for people who might be 
considering a career in aviation and the military? You make those career goals and uh, get some education. Think about what you want to do. And if aviation is where you want to go, go for it. You have that passion and want to be part of that lifestyle in aviation. It's really amazing. It's expensive getting into it. But versus the payoff in time, it's a pretty fulfilling career. It really is. What, what do you think has been the most fulfilling part of it for you? People are the ones that, that make it all happen. And uh, with, you know, I've had the opportunity to be with Columbia here for about 11 years now, along with uh, working with the Nevada Army National Guard. And uh, you just, you see that those people that are just dedicated, that want to do the job. They want to be there. They want to be around the aircraft. And it, it's fun. It's fun going into a helicopter and working. I, I tell people, you know, what do you do for a living? I, I fly a helicopter and uh, this fire tanker. One of the things I tell them is like, my, my full-time job is more fun than your last vacation. <laughs> Not to brag, right? Yeah. Yep. No, that is exciting. I, I, people who, um, I think people who love aviation, even people who came to it from other industries, once they get into it, it kind of, um, sinks its teeth into you. Just the, the, the cool factor cannot be denied for sure. Absolutely. Um, wh- what do you see when you think specifically about the Chinook? And, you know, we talked about how it's been flying since the 60s. What do you see as the next steps or the evolution with that aircraft platform and how the Army might use it? Man, you know, looking into, a, I wish I had a crystal ball for something like that. And, you know, I read somewhere that, uh, you know, the Army is looking at extending the life of the Chinook until 2060. And with with what we've seen with the uh, the advent of technology and composites and engineering, that's I think it's possible. I really do. You know, I haven't I haven't seen anything for a, a heavy lift aircraft concept aircraft. Um, maybe something with a tilt rotor design. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But I mean, we're just seeing right now with the new advent of the new uh, blades that they're coming out with that, you know, 20% more efficiency and 20% more power just by changing the rotor blades on the Chinook. So I think the future for the Chinook is, it, it's not going, it's going to be around for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Roger, thank you so much. Don't don't leave us now, but I want to ask a couple questions to TJ. And, and when you talk about the, the future of the platform and uh, the Honeywell engines that power the Chinook, TJ, you must be thinking about the future of the platform all, all the time. Can you tell us just a little bit about your role with Honeywell and a little background on your military career as well? Absolutely, sure. Uh, I'll start with the second part of that first. So I've uh, been an, an Army aviator for for over 21 years now and a variety of roles, but, but much like Roger, largely in the, the, the maintenance realm, uh, except for on the, on the UH-60 platform. So I was a Black Hawk maintenance test pilot and have uh, commanded an aviation support battalion in theater and um, was deployed just prior to, to Roger's deployment uh, from 2019 to, to 2020 uh, in the Middle East and, and have, have deployed uh, prior to that in earlier years as well. And so my current role, I'm the, the deputy director for aircraft maintenance at Corpus Christi Army Depot in the U.S. Army Reserve. And, um, and that's in addition, of course, to my role at Honeywell. And at, at Honeywell, I am the senior director for military turboshaft engines. So I have responsibility for not only the mighty T-55, but also the AGT-1500, which is uh, the main engine on uh, the Abrams on the Abrams tank. Uh, so 
So essentially uh, managing the product line and, and not only ensuring that we are getting product to uh, getting our current products to our customers on, on time and at a high level of quality, but also looking forward to the future as, as you talked about and planning the engine upgrades necessary to meet the long life of, of the Chinook that, that Roger mentioned as you know, the Chinook is, is likely to be in service for, for at least another 30 to 40 years. Yeah. Take us back to the beginning a little bit and uh, if you could provide just a little bit of history on how the T-55 was born and in its powering of the Chinook. Yeah, sure. So you know, the T-55 has, has been a part of, of the Chinook since 1961. So, so as long as there's been a Chinook, there's been a, a, a T-55 engine uh, powering that helicopter. And it's gone through many changes to meet the, the evolution and mission profile. You know, as as the the engine started service in 1961, it was only around uh, 1,500 shaft horsepower, and uh, the current upgrades we're looking at will will, will bring it to to the 6,000 shaft horsepower class of engines. So uh, a pretty significant evolution over the last six decades in making sure that the T55 uh, provides uh, both a, a, an economical solution for our customer, but also surpasses the current and future needs of the CH-47F and, and eventually the Block II as well. Yeah. You, you had mentioned um, the recent upgrades on the 714C. W- what are some of the specific demands of a Chinook that needed to be addressed in this latest upgrade? Sure. So Roger kind of talked about the range of missions and the types of things he's he's done over his career as a Chinook pilot. And, and really, our, our primary goals are to increase power, increase fuel efficiency, increase reliability, increase maintainability of that engine. So, so what does that really mean? We want a, a longer operating range. When uh, Roger and, and his uh, colleagues carry the heavy loads he talked about, vehicles, connexes, uh, over 30 combat-loaded troops, we can allow that, that aircraft to go uh, a significantly further, have a significantly increased range uh, particularly in, in the what we frame as the high, hot, and heavy environments. So in areas where there's hot temperatures and, and high altitudes, uh, which has, has traditionally been uh, the most austere environments that, that the Chinook has operated in over the last two decades. Uh, furthermore, we are providing the capability to upgrade this engine at overhaul. So the customer does not have to purchase a completely new engine. Uh, the 714C will be a kit that can be applied to the 714A during the overhaul process and give the customer a zero-time engine at a significantly uh, more affordable uh, cost. Mm-hmm. Well, that was my next question. How does an operator upgrade? And it sounds like it's it's just as easy as um, contacting us and say they want the newest and, and best variant, right? Absolutely. And uh, the, the customer can upgrade at overhaul, as I said, or you know, program in an original equipment engine into their normal purchase patterns. So, so whether it's for the U.S. Army or other customers, how will these upgrades um, benefit the operators, um, you know, not just now, but further down the line? Well, I think a, a big thing is that, you know, we've been very responsive to maintainer feedback. And I'll be candid and, and, and kind of telling us a little bit, you know, 60 years ago when we first designed the T-55, we maybe didn't have the operator in mind that maybe it was more of an, an engineering exercise to develop a powerful engine for a large platform and the largest platform at the time. And, and over time, we have largely maintained that same form and, and structure. And as a person, and I'm sure Roger can relate to this, as a person that's been around 
aircraft maintenance. I've seen some of the, you know, although the, the, the T-55 is extremely reliable, when it does, when something does need to be repaired, sometimes it can be cumbersome. As an example, on the number two side, our uh, hydromechanical assembly or the fuel control for the engine is located in such a position that it requires removal of the engine to work on that, that uh, specific part. Um, so we've taken things like that and taken the opportunity to remove some of the LRUs to reduce the part count and complexity, made the engine easier to maintain while even further improving on the, the already superb reliability of the engine. So the operator will get a more capable engine that's cheaper to maintain and easier to maintain and will save them both in terms of spare parts and man hours required to maintain and sustain the engine. Excellent. You had mentioned a couple minutes ago, um, block two. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little, just explain what that is and, and talk about it in relation to the T-55? Sure. So so the block two is the, the next generation of Chinook helicopter that is in, currently being produced by, by Boeing. So it's being operated right now by uh, U.S. Special Operations and Boeing just announced, I believe it was two weeks ago now, that, that they have some uh, foreign military sales through the U.S. Army to the, the Royal Air Force in, in the U.K. for Block 2 as well. But essentially, this the, the upgrades in this aircraft have, have done a couple of things. One, uh, provided more lift and power, as Roger was alluding to, with some of the, the improved uh, rotor systems and, and transmission upgrades. Um, and then there's there's also some avionics upgrades and some mission equipment upgrades that allow some increased capabilities for the warfighter uh, from that aspect as well. Excellent. Um, last year, I know Honeywell announced a new R&O facility for the T-55 engine in Phoenix. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and, and the value it brings to both our domestic and international customers. Yeah. So we um, prior to last year, as you said, we had an R&O facility in South Carolina. Uh, we're able to produce roughly or, or repair and overhaul roughly six engines per month in that facility. Over the course of kind of late 2019, early 2020, we relocated our R&O facility to Phoenix so that it is, is co-located and, and not in the same building, but a couple of blocks, uh, a couple of blocks apart from our production facility. And that really enabled a few things that are very beneficial for the customer. Uh, first and foremost, we were able to increase our capacity to 20 engines per month, and we've actually achieved 21 engine in March of this year. And that's not only enabled by the increased footprint and the size of the facility, but it's also enabled by that co-location with our production facility. And, and that's because we can shift resources from one facility to the other as you know, so if we have one month where there, we may be a little more light on uh, new production engines, we can shift our people and parts and equipment to support the RNO facility. We also have our engineering team co-located here in Phoenix, and that allows for a easier consulting uh, with the engineers on those kind of one-off uh, repairs that, that may be uh, out of the ordinary and require some, some engineering input. And then, then lastly, our test facilities are here. So we don't have to move the engines in order to put them through the test cells and uh, get that portion of the repair process taken care of. So more efficient use of resources, uh, less cycle time uh, in our customer and bigger capacity. So all very good things for our customer. Yep, makes makes perfect sense to <clears throat> centralize all those different capabilities. 
Well, TJ and Roger, I want to thank you both for joining us today. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for hosting. Thank you, Adam. Have a good day. Yep, you're very welcome, Roger. It's It's been fun to learn more history about this helicopter and the engines that power it. And um, for you two, I hope you both have many safe and successful missions ahead. And to our listeners, thank you so much for joining in. And I'll catch you on the next episode of Aerospace Unplugged.